The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. When Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of King Herod, behold, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star at its rising and have come to do him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was greatly troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it has been written through the prophet, And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, since from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and ascertained from them the time of the star's appearance. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the child. When you have found him, bring me word, that I too may go and do him homage. After their audience with the king, they set out. And behold, the star that they had seen at its rising preceded them, until it came and stopped over the place where the child was. They were overjoyed at seeing the star, and on entering the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother. They prostrated themselves and did him homage. Then they opened their treasures and offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed for their country by another way. The Gospel of the Lord. Today we celebrate the feast of the Epiphany of the Lord. Epiphany means manifestation or revelation. It's a making known something about an individual. The Magi come bearing their gifts. They come to find the newborn king of the Jews. And as they announce this to Herod, it indicates that he and all of Jerusalem are disturbed by this fact. It seems that things are about to change, and change has made them all uncomfortable. What is it we should expect? What is about to happen? Who is it that's been born? Part of the epiphany is in the unveiling of the gifts that are given to the Lord. The Magi, the three wise men, come bearing their gifts. They give gold for a king, frankincense for a god, and oddly enough, the burial stuff, myrrh, used at the death, indicating the purpose of the child. You see, these three gifts, they unveil for us, they reveal to us part of the fact that, indeed, the child is God. He is also man. He is unique in this sense. And he's even more unique in the fact that he is given myrrh. As has been said before, all of us have been born into this world that we might have life. Jesus Christ is the only person that came into this world with a specific intention to die. He is life. He took on our flesh so that he might die in our place. And what a gift. He unveils for us even in his infancy, before he utters a word, 
the entire essence of his life and of his ministry. He is God, he is man. He comes to offer himself for us. Connected with this feast of the Epiphany that, that marks the coming of the three wise men, the Magi, traditionally there's also the observance of two other feasts, two other celebrations of the life of our Lord that are themselves epiphanies or manifestations. The first is the baptism of the Lord, which we'll celebrate, I think, next weekend. It's the, it's the, the baptism of the Lord, traditionally observed in the Eastern churches, but also kind of co-opted into, the, into the, the Latin liturgies of the church, that are mindful of us of the fact that at the baptism of the Lord, He is revealed as indeed the Son of God, as the heavens break open with the voice of the Father. The other thing that is, that is also honored and celebrated today is the feast of the wedding at Cana, that day in which our Lord works his first public miracle, and again begins to reveal himself to the world. All of these things speak something to us of the person of Jesus Christ, and they are to draw us closer to himself. On this Feast of Epiphany, it's also a tradition in the life of the church to be able, as we come, we can certainly, we can bring gifts to our blessed Lord, uh, oftentimes gold or frankincense or myrrh are brought to be able to be placed in the nativity scene as offerings for the Lord from the wise men. I think the Lord most importantly would desire the gift of our very selves, the offering of our own hearts to him in this time. But Mother Church also gives us certain gifts. In particular, she gives us water and chalk, strange sorts of gifts and yet powerful ones. The fact is, on the Feast of the Epiphany, there's a tradition of blessing holy water, Epiphany water. And although it's not specifically mentioned and not explicitly kind of uh, enunciated in the uh, sort of hierarchy of things, it's understood to be the most powerful of the different types of holy water, which leads me to the topic, there are different types of holy water. One can simply take water and make the sign of the cross over it. A priest or a deacon can bless it, and it can become, it can become holy in a sense, that it can be used for holy things. But there are other things that can be done. The fuller ritual of blessing of holy water, which typically would include a blessing of the water with also some salt. Salt is able to be purified. It perfects and also has a... um, a character of exorcism, to be able to cast away evil. So the Sunday holy water, as it would normally be called, uh, is that special holy water that has with it not just water itself, but also the mingling of salt. Salt in the scriptures on several occasions is used to be able to purify, to sanctify, and thus it's used in the holy water. Another type of holy water is that of Easter, also uh, used and reconsecrated later on if it runs out for baptisms. Easter holy water is, is unique in the sense that not only is it, is it water, not only is it also, um, instead of salt, is chrism, uh, that beautiful, that beautiful smelling, uh, the smelling oil consecrated by the bishop, which we use to anoint uh, for baptism, for confirmation, for ordination, for the consecrations of churches, um, that, that that oil is poured into the baptismal water 
uh, to be able to consecrate it in a particular way. Uh, just the other day, I was able to use some more of the Easter holy water that I had consecrated earlier this year when I was blessing a home, and I hadn't thought about it, that it was the Easter water. But as I sprinkled it, I was like, I smell chrism. It smells wonderful. It was a beautiful thing. That leads us to the last of the waters, the Epiphany water. The Epiphany water is, is said to be the most powerful of the holy waters. It's consecrated a single time a year. There's no other, no other option, at least with the others. With, with Easter, if you run out, you consecrate some more. For Sunday holy water, you can consecrate it every week, and it's fine. Epiphany water is done only for the Feast of Epiphany. One time a year, that's all. And it's rather lengthy. Yesterday, I invited the, the parishioners who were here for the 4 o'clock Mass to stay after for 10 or 15 minutes to be able to offer the prayers for the holy water blessing. I think it was about 20 to 25 minutes to all told. They were, they were good troopers yesterday, um, and they all stuck around through the, through the course of the prayers. But it's a wonderful outpouring of prayers upon the holy water. There is an invocation of the a litany of supplication, litany of the saints, essentially, that's prayed. Psalms are prayed. Uh, canticles, uh, the Magnificat to the Blessed Mother is prayed. Uh, there are prayers of uh, basically the, uh, the St. Michael, the long-form exorcism. St. Michael prayer is prayed. Exercised salt, exercised water, the mingling of them both. Uh, singing typically of, of the Te Deum, the, the essential, essentially it's the, the Gloria for, for liturgical celebrations outside of Mass. And all of these things come together for what is a, a beautiful ceremony. And it's partly for that reason that it's often understood to be the most powerful, because it's the one with, the, with the, uh, the, most, the most rich liturgy, as well as the longest prayer of exorcism. Indeed, so it is powerful, powerful things that are offered here. The water is given to us on this feast, again, because of that connection that this Feast of the Epiphany has with the baptism of the Lord. The two coming together, the unveiling of things, the revelation of things, and Christ reveals himself to us in his power, specifically in this holy water. As I mentioned, during the, during the praying and during the, the blessing of that water, salt is also given. Salt is also used and consecrated. And so uh, we'll have that available as well. The salt is something that can be used uh, like salt uh, as normal, uh, but also can be used for holy things. Blessed salt or exercised salt, as it may be known, uh, is something that can be used to sprinkle uh, around the peripheries of your home to be able to cast out evil, to ward evil away, because uh, indeed it has, it has exorcism powers. It's not superstition. Uh, it is reliance upon grace. Uh, sacramentals, they dispose us to receive the grace of Jesus Christ. They, they open our hearts up to help us to receive the grace. And so if we use them properly, they help us to receive grace and, and they have power um, in the world. And so holy salt is something that could be sprinkled around one's house um, to be able to be, uh, again, a, a sort of hedge of protection around the home. It can also, of course, be used, uh, be used in food. Uh, so it's something that we all bless our meals, right? Uh, and so you can put a little salt in there uh, as, you're, as you're making your meal or as you're finishing it up to put a little garnish on top there um, to be able to offer that to indeed make it a, a truly blessed meal, to make it powerful in the receiving of it. And so we have uh, salt available. It's not, part of the, not normally part of the Epiphany gifts, but we do have salt available as well. And then lastly, the, the thing that is offered typically on this feast is chalk. 
And it's because of the, the wonderful tradition of the chalking of the doors. If you've ever done it, hopefully, hopefully you're familiar with it, you've done it yourself, or you've at least seen it somewhere else, and you can walk into a home and you see over the door, such as 2021, 20 plus C plus M plus B plus 21. And anybody that's not familiar with that goes, what's that? <laughs> and you get to have a nice conversation about the faith. You get to evangelize. But what it is, it's a blessing upon your home. The chalk is used because chalk is, uh, is, is, is essentially it's drawn from clay. It's a reminder to us that the Lord has made us from clay, that he has made us and breathed life into humanity, who at first were but dust, dirt, nothing. But he has made us something. And not only has he made us something, but he himself has so loved us that he has desired to become that something as well that he has taken on upon himself our own flesh, that he has become the clay alongside us to save us. And so our Lord comes to make his dwelling with us. And this is part of the beauty of the chalking of the doors, is it's a blessing upon the home. The four letters, of course, are the year, uh, the year in which the home is blessed. The C, the M, and the B are the three names of the, uh, of the Magi, Caspar, Melchior, and Balthazar. They are the individuals who, of course, come to bring our blessed Lord his gifts. They come, and the C, the M, and the B also are, are a wonderful little Latin phrase, Christus mansionem benedicat, may Christ bless this house. When we offer those words written in chalk upon our doors or upon the, the lintels of the door, the, the doorway over it, it's to pray God's blessings upon the home. That indeed, as the Lord has made his dwelling among us, taking on our flesh, that the Lord would, would dwell with us in our home, that he would make his dwelling with us. And also, just as the, as the three magi came and found the Christ, that all who would visit our home would find there the Spirit of the Lord, would find a place of peace. And so we offer these gifts to you on this Feast of the Epiphany, and we encourage you to make use of them. So we've got, it's all on, on, the, on the side of the church here. It's a 10-gallon tank of holy water, of the Epiphany water. Uh, so it's here. If you've brought a container, you can certainly, uh, to fill that up. If you don't get one, uh, the water will be here through the week. You can simply come and stop by the office, and we'll happily let you in the church to be able to fill up your containers. Uh, and we do have the salt and the chalk. The chalk also includes the little prayer blessing, what to say, what to do uh, for the prayer in your own home. But I encourage you to make use of these things, again, because they are power. They're part of the wonderful Catholic weirdness uh, that some people can be a little, uh, a little gun-shy about. Um, but I think we ought to be celebratory of. Um, that we are in this world, but we are, we are not of this world. We're supposed to be different. We're supposed to be a little bit weird. We're supposed to be the ones who the world looks at us and goes, Honey, the neighbors are writing chalk weird letters on their door again and we celebrate it. Our faith is an incredible gift to us, and it pours out in so many generous and sometimes strange ways, but they are ways of God's grace, his grace that comes to us in abundance because of his love for us, that same love that has brought him to take on our flesh. So as we come and offer this holy mass, is to rejoice in these gifts to lift up our hearts to our blessed Lord, to return the gift of ourselves, to return to the Father, the gift of Jesus that comes to us in the Eucharist, 
to give thanks for his revelation.